Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Norfolk, Joseph Benavidez versus Davison Figueredo. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Norfolk, Virginia. The vacant flyweight title is on the line. Yeah, 100%. Joseph Benavidez, one of the best fighters to ever compete in the sport that has never won a title. I mean, he's pretty much won every fight uh, besides the Cruz, the, the DJ ones, and, and the Sergio one, of course. But, uh, I mean, he's had a great career. I'm glad to see him get a, another title shot. And Figueredo, since he came into the UFC, I mean, this guy has been a guy that I think we said from the early going could fight for a title one day. And now here he is. Absolutely, man. Obviously, with joseph benavidez this could be his final opportunity at a ufc title shot and this is a guy that's definitely earned his ways he's been top three at bantamweight and flyweight for over a decade and now he finally has this chance to go out there get that ufc belt before he finally calls it a career and for davison figueredo to be 17 and 1 in his first title shot uh this kid's gone out there beat the top competition and now he's in the position he's in for a reason check yeah, Davison, he puts on exciting fights. The god of war, he's got the, the cool haircut. Uh, and this guy is just intense. And uh, since he came into the UFC, I mean, he showed right away that he's got vicious KO power. He's got, you know, good jujitsu. So Davison and Benavidez, the flyweights, they always bring it there. In my opinion, you know, top two or three most exciting weight classes in the UFC. So uh, anytime the flyweights fight, you got to watch. 100%. Well, before we break this fight down, or before we break down this card start to finish, Shaq, just got to let them know that Max Bet season is back. Shaq's coming off a Max Bet win over Yan Zona, and I had a big bet on her, too. And uh, not only do we bet on Yan Zona in every single fight, Shaq, but this is your second Max Bet cash in a row for 2020. And uh, did what she was expected to do, so... Yeah, it was, it was an amazing thing to see. So go to bestfightpicks.com, use that promo code 2020, and check. Let's break down this whole car start to finish. Now, first up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Ismael, the Austrian wonderboy Nardiev. He's 19-3, and and Sean Brady, he's 11-0. and Currently, they got Ismail Nardiev, minus 125. The comeback on Sean Brady is plus 105. Well, Shaq, you got a serious welterweight showdown here between two prospects to kick off the card. Ismail Nardiev, he's been up and down in the UFC, but only 2-1 and one at this point. This is his fourth appearance. And Sean Brady has been undefeated his entire career. He's taken the right fights. But this is the youngest fighter he's competed against in a very long time. You think Sean Brady's going to continue the undefeated streak, or is it time for the Austrian Wonder Boy to rise? Yeah, Sean Brady, he had a good showing in his debut against Cormagee. Cormagee's been around for a long time, but Cormagee, you know, is also on his way out. And uh, he did his thing. He dropped him hard in the first round. And kind of similar with Nardiev, uh, you know, he got to work on some things against an aging vet and Bahadur Azada, his last fight. Both these guys are very young. Uh, Nardiev probably has got the better kicks, and Brady's probably got the better hands. And one thing you can't forget about Brady is, man, this guy's weighing in at, like, 167, 168. I mean, he's just – but I kind of don't uh, – I don't want to say not put too much stock into it, but the guy is cocked, man. He's strong. I mean, the dude can hit, so he kind of reminds me of a little Matt Serra, man. He, uh, he's short for a welterweight, but he definitely packs a punch, and uh, he just seems like a, a very solid professional. Nardiev, I feel like longer term, he's going to 
you know, project out to be better. But Nardiev, you know, the grappling is still a, a bit of a concern of mine. I know Ren Counter's a good wrestler, but the fact that there were spurts where he couldn't get up at all, and I think he just kind of mismanages energy. But I think that if he manages his energy, if he, you know, fights uh, to the best of his ability, I think that the kicks can really get to Brady at distance. You know, Brady is short, and if Brady starts moving back like he tends to do, like he did in that Court McGee fight with his back on the fence, I think Nardiev can pick him off at range. And uh, it's just a matter of Nardiev can stay off the mat because Ren Counter, uh, you know, Ren Counter, I forget what the line was in that fight. I think it was Nardiev like minus 800 or something like that. <laughs> he was coming off that win over Tractor Preserves. But I think that we kind of gave him a little bit too much uh, uh you know, praise for that win over Prezeris. You know, Prezeris is a five, you know, five, five, six uh, welterweight. But, hey, so is Brady. But uh, Tractor Prezeris, I don't know if you know, he got suspended for two years. He, uh, he uh, you know, they finally they finally caught the weasel. But, uh, yeah, but I think Nardiev's the better fighter. Uh, as of right now, currently, slightly more experienced, longer, a lot better kicks. And I think that if he keeps his distance, he can uh, win a decision here against uh, Sean Brady. But I got a lot of respect for Sean Brady. He's a tough kid. This should be a hell of a matchup. Two very serious prospects here with Ismail Nardiev. Look, if that chance encounter fight never happened, uh, this guy's going to be a big favorite in this spot here against uh, Sean Brady. And I respect Sean Brady, too. He's short, he's stocky, he swings big bombs, he can mix in takedowns. He also turned down two fights with our guy Jared Nitra and Gooden. But I respect him for that because he took the right fights to get into the UFC, had that padded, undefeated record. And now it's time to finally face another fellow young fighter. And I think that it is first L time for Sean Brady this Saturday night in Norfolk, Virginia. Look, Ismail Nardiev. Nardia, he's very talented. He's had his ups, his downs, but he's been able to rebuild. He's only 23 years old. He's just a kid. And I think every single time we see him, we're going to be seeing a better version of him. I think he probably thought with Chancellor Encounter, like, dude, I'm coming off this massive win over Prezerish. I can do anything. I don't even have to train that hard. I can go out there and beat these guys. I was on the mat sweeping Prezerish, and I think he thought he was just going to go in there. First head kick, the fight was going to be over shortly after. And when that didn't happen, he might have broke a little bit. Now I think he knows that, hey, we got to go all 15 minutes hard if we want to be inside the UFC's octagon. This ain't those guys on the regional scene that he was just going out there kicking one time, and they would go down. So I think Ismail Nardiev is going to make the proper adjustments. I think he's going to come out here and beat Sean Brady. Now, next up in the 145-pound division, we got Alon Cruz. He's 8-2, and two, and Spike Carlisle is 8-1. and one. Currently, they got Alon Cruz, minus 175, and Spike, the alpha ginger Carlisle, is plus 155. Shaq, it's an interesting fight, man, because I've seen Alon Cruz on the regional scene, and I knew this guy was going to make it to the UFC. When I saw him fight in the NFC and I sat front row for that fight, I immediately noticed, hey, this is a six foot one featherweight going out here, and uh, I know they officially got him listed at six feet, but I but between you and me, Shaq, uh, he's six foot one, and he's got the long man game down. This guy's going out there throwing flying knees, front kicks, jabs. You shoot on him, that long-ass guillotine is there waiting for you. And he's a very cerebral guy. You know, if you look at his two losses, he lost both of them via rear naked choke, including to uh, Cameron Neville, who, shout out to Best Fight Big sponsored athlete, Robert King Hale, coming off a win over uh, Cameron Neville. But since that point... You thought, well, if this guy hits the mat, that's where he has a sure weakness. But then he went on and he fought a first-degree black belt. He got taken down right away, and he was able to get back up 
and even land wizard kicks, kind of like judo throws of his own on that first degree black belt. So that to me is a big improvement from his losses. And I feel like the version of Alon Cruz that we're seeing nowadays, you saw the first round rear naked choke over Steve Garcia. You saw the flying knee knockout over Steve Wynn on contender series. And I feel like now he's primed to go out there and Get that first UFC win. And he's going to have a very tough opponent here in Spike Carlisle. Look, they don't call him the Alpha Ginger for no reason. This guy definitely has a presence about him. He's very relentless with the shot. And his last two fights, Shaq, he went out there and knocked these guys out out of nowhere. So you got to respect his power too. But I think his main attack is the wrestling. And I heard he's a black belt in judo. I heard he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. So Spike Carlisle is no, is no joke at all. But I think the long... The long limbs of Alon Cruz uh, is going to be a big weapon here. I think a front kick is going to be open up the middle, the flying knee. When Spike starts to slow down a little bit, I think that's when Alon Cruz can make him pay. And somewhere along the way, whether it's a finish or the points adding up, I see Alon Cruz winning in his UFC debut. Yeah, it's a good matchup. You know, Spike Carlisle, he's got a, a nice little gimmick, um, the alpha ginger. I'll tell you what, man, the kid's super aggressive. Like you said, he likes to press with the takedowns. Seems like he's been, uh, his boxing's been getting better his last couple fights, and he's been knocking guys out unconscious with some pretty interesting uh, things in his ground game. Man, kid's relentless. He'll, I mean, he's definitely got the cardio. I see him winning some uh, fights in the UFC for sure. Uh, he's coming in on short notice against Cruz. Cruz, I feel like, is, uh, you know, one of these, I don't want to say typical tall tall guys, but, uh, you know, he's just, he's very good. If you give him space, he can be very, very dangerous with the front kicks, the knees, like we saw in the in that fight against Steven Wynn and all his other fights. And it just seems like lately, maybe uh, versus, uh, versus uh, early in his career, that he's just fighting a lot more professionally. He's making a lot better uh, choices in the octagon. You know, he did have those two hiccups. One to uh, Cameron Neville, but you know Spike Carlisle's got a hiccup on his record too. So I don't to really, an eight and eleven yeah, guy. So I don't really put too much stock into both their you know losses. Everyone you know some of these guys lost. Darren Elkins lost to Ted Worthington. You know <laughs> GSP lost to Matt Sarah. Yeah, you know it happens. But uh, I think that if what I'm what I'm really interested in is, is is the type of start that Spike gets off to because you know. It just seems like he's coming to push the action right away. Now, that can be dangerous because you got Cruz throwing those attacks up the middle and Spike's a, a lot shorter. The thing is, if those attacks don't affect Spike, is Spike going to be the aggressor and actually get the takedowns and, and move forward? Uh, Cruz is going to have to fend off those takedowns. I think he can. But, you know, I do... I do I do think Spike is a lot tougher than those regional uh, regional regional opponents that he was fighting, but uh, I think Cruz is the better fighter. I think that what I'm really interested to see is can Spike Carlisle strike in the in with uh, Alon Cruz in that second and third round out in space when he's a little fatigued after they after they've grappled a little bit and can he maintain his composure? The kid seems like a smart kid. He talks very well, but I gotta go with Alon Cruz. I think he's the better fighter. Um, as far as a betting perspective, it's kind of interesting. It opened to pick him now. Cruz is minus one seventy five. You know the pick him. I would have. I would have opened Cruz up a, a, a slight favor, maybe kind of what he where he is right now, you know, as the opening line. So I don't know if you have value on the on the current line as of what it is right now, but I do think he gets the win. I think he's the longer striker, the more intelligent guy. But I respect Spike Carlo. 
Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Jordan, the native psycho Griffin. He's 17 and 7, and TJ Brown is 14 and 6. Currently, they got Jordan Griffin minus 130. The comeback on TJ Brown is plus 110. Well, Shaq, this is TJ Brown's UFC debut. He's already had 20 professional fights before making that octagon debut. So seasoning's not going to be an issue here. Uh, you think this kid gets it done in his UFC debut? TJ Brown, uh, he had an interesting fight on Contender Series. He uh, got dropped right away, and then he was able to just keep getting takedowns. He's a very good grappler. I'd consider him a submission specialist. He's got six arm triangles, some other submissions. Uh, kid, kids definitely had a long road to get here. Had six losses. He, you know, had a very somewhat of an inconsistent patch in his career, and it seems like lately he's one of these guys that's uh, been figuring it out. So uh, then you got Jordan Griffin, who I think super exciting. You know, his fights with Ige in his debut, that's a top, uh, or at least like right outside the top 15 type of guy. Um, then you got, and then he fought uh, Chas Skelly, who's a, a eighteen and four, if I if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I feel like he's had two tough opponents to to come out the gates with when he was probably more of an entry level guy. So this is probably going to be a step down for for Jordan. Jordan, I feel like it is super scrappy. I mean, the the issue with Jordan is, I mean, even if you watch his LFA fights and uh, his local scene fights, man, this kid is always reckless and putting himself in bad positions i mean he gets his back taken every single fight he gets taken down every single fight he uh and sometimes you know you want jordan to strike but then jordan will end up shooting for the takedowns himself and then start the whole you know never-ending cycle of him making stupid mistakes on the mat so i feel like lower level guys he can sometimes uh you know he caught them with some submissions like he did on contender series but in the ufc man i feel like his style is very what I basically mean is, I, I, I it's kind of hard for me to hard for me to see him winning decisions. Like I kind of see him as a guy like he might have to get a finish to win because this guy don't care about no type of top control positioning. Like for points, I just don't think he's a very good fighter. Now T.J. Brown, I will say is a liability on the feet, but he 100% has the grappling control and the grappling skill to out-grapple Jordan Griffin, in my opinion. So I'm actually going to take him here for the win. Now, I do think Griffin's better on the feet, and T.J. Brown got uh, almost floored his last fight 100%. But Jordan Griffin, I don't see him as the the, the power striker type, the type of guy that can necessarily put uh, T.J. Brown out with one shot. Maybe I'm wrong. So I'm going a, I'm to a take TJ Brown. I just think he's going to capitalize on the grappling situations. And Griffin's just never proven to me that he can, you know, Ige fight. I know it's Dan Ige, though, So, but he had him smashed round two, and then he made another bad decision. Chaskelly had him fully mounted, smashing him, and then he pulled another bad decision. So we'll see what happens here, but I'll take TJ Brown for the upset. This is an interesting matchup, and I think it's lined appropriately. You know, a pick em with a slight lean on Jordan Griffin just because of the UFC experience. But, again, this kid, TJ Brown's very seasoned coming into the octagon, and his grappling's on point. Uh, he can definitely scramble with, uh, with some decent guys. Now, the biggest question and concern is his chin because not only did he get dropped on Contender Series, Shaq, but the guy's been knocked out on multiple occasions, and it's by usually by fighters with losing records too, as recently as 2018. So there's that there's that way of looking at it, and then there's the other that uh, this kid actually went out there. Not only is he winning these fights via arm triangle, but he also has a couple head kick KO uh, 
a couple head kick KOs on his record too. So he can he can mix it up as well. But man, he's such a liability standing on the feet. And if Jordan Griffin comes in here with any kind of smarts, because I know that's uh, that's been the biggest issue for Jordan Griffin is uh, his fight IQ. Ain't the best at all, Shaq. Uh, but if he comes in here, you know, I know his, his back is up against the wall. Touch this guy on the chin. He will go down. So I'm going to go with Jordan Griffin here slightly. It might be a dog or pass situation, but I'm going to go with the favorite Jordan Griffin. I think he touches TJ Brown on the chin, puts him down. I think TJ Brown will be back. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Marcin Tibura. He's 17-6, and six, and Sergey Spivak is 10-1. and one. Currently, they got Sergey Spivak minus 120, and Marcin Tibura is plus 100. Well, Shaq, uh, I know they remember we successfully cashed that Augusto Sakai dog money against uh, Marcin Tibura. Went out there, floored him in the first minute. But this is a different matchup here with Sergey Spivak. Uh, Sergey is kind of like a young Alexi. Likes to go out there with those schoolyard headlocks. Uh, you think he's gonna? You think he's gonna welcome uh, Marcin Tibura to the playground this weekend? Yeah, you know, Tybora, I mean, it hasn't been looking good lately, man. Uh, I don't, I think he, I mean, I could. I think it's safe to say he's on his way out. I mean, that's a fact. Um, I mean, I thought after the Verdum fight, everyone thought his career was going to go upwards. But, you know, it's gone nothing but downwards. The Lewis fight, the uh, the Strew fight really wasn't all that impressive. Uh who else did he fight? Sakai and there's one more. Shamil. Uh, and Shamil, yeah. I mean, Shamil, all those dudes, you know, handled them fairly easily, man. And uh, Tibera's weight's been gaining each fight. I mean, he's been, but you see, I mean, the kid's down on himself right now, man. Uh, and then you got Spivak, who pulled off that big upset against Bam Bam to Ivasa. Spivak, uh, man, I'm a little skeptical of his stand-up 100%, but, <laughs> but. Tybora is like one of these heavyweights uh, that I kind of I'm not gonna, uh, gonna like kind of like what I say about Eric Anders. It's like he's a he's a big guy trying to fight like a little guy. <laughs> you know, he's he's got the, the the movement with the the teeps and the but like where where's the you got? I mean, a heavyweight, bro. At some point, you're gonna have to step in there and, and get in there and throw with some of these guys if you want to uh, succeed. Like how you saw Sakai get in there with him and Shamil and all these guys. And I just don't see Tybora doing that. It just seems like he wants to play this pitter patter game with the teeps on the outside. And you know, unless he's fighting, you know, a old, you know, stationary Brazilian like Luis Enrique or uh, Andre, the ghost of Andre Arlovsky. Then, you know, he kind of struggles, man. So yeah, He struggled against the ghost of Andre Arlovsky, I mean, too, yeah, by I, the way. I, I, exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, man, I think there's a very good chance that Ty, Ty is done. Obviously, you have to play play that slight chalk line to find out on uh, Sergey Spivak. And Spivak, we know there's still a little skepticism on his game. But I feel like Spivak, it might not necessarily be the striking. I feel like he could probably come out here and just shoot on Ty Burra, tie him up. And and I'm uh, you know this fight could go to decision. It could be one of those you know sloppy uh, slow heavyweight fights because Spivak is no Sakai and he's no. I view those guys better than Spivak still, uh, but I'm gonna go with Spivak, man. He's younger, hungrier, uh, should be getting better. He's young. I mean, he's, I think he's less than 25 if I'm not mistaken. So I think that Spivak is gonna look better here. And although I haven't seen much of his stand up, and he, you know, was prior to the UFC, he kind of really didn't fight anybody. I think that mentally he's in a lot better place, and I think that it's really not that hard to get 
uh, Tybura deterred at this point in his career. So I'll go with Spivak. Look, just to put it lightly, Tybura is one of the biggest frauds I've ever seen in the heavyweight division. When he came into the UFC with so much hype, I lost to Tim Johnson. I went out there and cashed a plus money bet on Tim Johnson, actually. uh, And uh, I actually max bet Tybura. How about about Big Dick Timmy the other day knocking out Tyrell, man? Man, uh, (laughs) I know Tyrell didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming either, but uh, (laughs) but. I max bet Marcin Tibura to go out there and beat Andre Arlovsky. It was at like 4 a.m. in Singapore. You know, John Tuck had just beat Gomi in under a minute. So now we're thinking, Marcin, just come out here, front kick Arlovsky to the face, and uh, let's uh, let's cash these tickets. And second round, the guy's huffing and puffing. He's getting full mounted. He's doing the whole bit. And look, then he got his big fight with Wardoom. And like Shaq said, after that fight, you'd think, hey, he just went the five-round distance with a former champion. Let's uh let's see how this kid's career blossoms afterwards, and it did quite the opposite because he's been knocked out in three of his last four fights in vicious fashion, Shaq. So I don't know where the guy's head's at, and like you mentioned, he's been gaining weight every single fight. Uh, you know, back in the days when he was winning fights, he was like two hundred forty six. Well, his last fight against uh Sakai, he was two hundred fifty seven. So I wonder, I wonder what we're gonna see later on today on the scales here against Sergey Spivak. Now, one thing I will say about Tibura, if this was the Tibura before the War Doom fight, I'd slightly favor him here, and I think that his takedown defense is pretty decent. But at the same time, as these guys decline, certain parts of their game also tend to go down. You know, parts that they were good at, such as the takedown defense. And I think that if Sergey Spivak puts that constant pressure on him, he can eventually force the takedown. Maybe even catch a kick and put him down. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But at the end of the day, man, I got the younger, hungrier guy as well. I think Sergey Spivak's going to come out here on schoolyard headlock, Marcy and Tibora. So I got Sergey Spivak for the win. Now, next up in the middleweight division. We got a matchup between Tom Breeze, he's 11-1, and and Brendan Allen is 13-3. and Currently, they got Tom Breeze minus 135, and the comeback on Brendan Allen is plus 115. Well, Shaq, uh, this is a very interesting matchup. Uh, I, know, uh, I know they remember that we went out there and tried to bet on uh, Ian Heinish against this guy, Tom Breeze, but unfortunately, Tom Breeze pulled out the fight. But now he's back. You know, apparently he's got certain things in his life in order. And look, this should be a fun middleweight matchup between two Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. And I believe that Brendan Allen is the stronger man here, Shaq. Uh, because, you know, Breeze, he's a very big guy. He's six foot three. He's ripped. And at welterweight, he seemed like way bigger than a lot of these guys. But in this specific spot, Allen can also match the height. And when Allen gets that body lock on these guys, they tend to get taken down. And... On the mat, as long as Allen is aware of Breeze's leg lock attacks, because, you know, Breeze has some sneaky leg locks, uh, Allen should be able to maintain that top position and land damage of his own and potentially finish the fight with ground and pound or a submission. Not only has Tom Breeze only fought once since 2016, and it was a less than one round fight versus the now retired Dan Kelly, but also Breeze has pulled out of multiple fights on fight day, Shaq, versus Heinish, like we mentioned. Not only that, he pulled out of a fight versus Oluwali Bangbose on fight day. So I question if he still has the hunger and the mindset to compete at this level in 2020. Another thing I want to mention is that Keitaro Nakamura was way smaller 
than Tom Breeze. And he went out there and successfully took him down three times, Shaq. Now, there were some scrambles there that I think a black belt would be able to capitalize on, which I don't, I'm not sure that Nakamura is. He might be, but not. I, I don't. I, I think that over here in America, no disrespect, it's it, it's it's a high it's a it's a higher level of grappling over here in the United States. No no disrespect at all. But uh, basically, what what I want to say is that Brendan Allen's had the same style throughout his entire career, but. When you're a purple belt and a blue belt, that style isn't going to be as effective as when you're a black belt. And now that he is a black belt and he's finally leveled up, he's able to go out there and implement that grappling heavy attack that he's always wanted to use throughout his entire career. I feel like he doesn't give up position as much as he used to. And when he does, he's able to scramble out and get dominant positions of his own. And when this guy gets on top of you and he starts getting off on his elbows and he starts taking your back, uh, chances are that the fight might be over shortly after. And I think if he puts Tom Breeze in some compromising spots that uh, the fight will be over shortly after. Now, on the feet, everyone mentions Tom Breeze's boxing. And from a technical standpoint, it is maybe cleaner and crisper than Allen's, but I think Allen going forward the whole time is going to shut a little bit of that down. I think he's going to get off on some offense of his own and eventually take a breeze down and finish him. So I'm going to go with Brendan Allen for the upset here, Shaq. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's an interesting matchup. You know, Brendan had that nice upset over Holland his last fight. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, you know, in the past with Brendan, I, I, you know, I haven't really been a big fan of his style. Kind of, I feel like it, uh, Kind of has a time limit on it, you know. I feel like, yeah, he's getting better. He's young, 23, very experienced. Already been in there with the likes of some, a lot of UFC veterans. But, you know, I had some concerns, like, him moving forward that recklessly and forcing those grappling exchanges. What happens? I mean, I've seen him in the past, you know, especially the Fluffy Hernandez fight where, you know, he's rushing these takedowns, he's rushing these back takes. And um, I think he was a brown belt back then. But then he'd lose position. And then, I mean, he, the fight would almost, it was, and then he got laid on the, the rest of the, the the rest of the time. And his fight with Holland, it was a very emotionally charged fight. You know, Holland has a lot of beef with the <laughs> Rufus Borden. I was, it was good to see Brendan go in there and get the revenge for his big bro, uh, Mersh Arden. In hindsight, that matchup, I mean, you know, Holland consistently puts himself in bad spots. I mean, his fights, you know, with Ducherico weren't that impressive. He almost got choked out against Mersh as well. So I think Breeze, a lot of it uh, with Breeze is more so not even related to fighting. It's more, you know, more so related to whatever the kids got going on outside of it. I don't want to put too much uh, details in it. I do think he's the better striker. I do think that uh, he has a slightly a little bit more IQ, but Brennan likes to move forward. Brennan likes to put the, the pressure on these guys, uh, and he's big, man. He definitely is gaining size. I feel like it's a fi- almost a 50-50 fight, so from a betting perspective, I, I do think uh, it's a dog or pass situation. Um but I also think there's a chance that Breeze comes in here, and I kind of I feel like Breeze might might, uh, might be the better fighter, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick him for the win here, just because there's so many questions on site, and I feel like you made some good points about where this kid's uh, head is at. But man, I do see in spurts, man, the kid has some flashes where he, he <laughs> where he looks really good. His boxing, I do feel I feel like he's a little bit better overall. But Brendan's got a lot of momentum on his side. Uh, I'll take Brennan just slightly. Maybe I think he might want it a little bit more if uh, this fight becomes bloody and, you know, a, a dog fight. But, man, at times I've also seen Brennan flop to his back and just lay there. But, 
you know, he was a kid at the time, so maybe uh, I shouldn't put too much on him for that. But I'll take Brennan. I think he's been more active, so, you know, I'll take him. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Gabriel Silva, he's 8-1, and one, and Kyler Phillips is 6-1. and one. Currently, they got Gabriel Silva minus 120 and Kyler Phillips is plus 100. Well, Shaq, on paper, it's two prospects. It's striker versus grappler. Uh, Kyler Phillips, you know, he's got that karate background. He's got the flashy kicks. Gabriel Silva, the younger brother of former UFC fighter Eric Silva, also a jiu-jitsu black belt uh, Won the first eight minutes of the fight against Ray Borg. You think he gets back on track here and gets his first UFC win against uh, Kyler Phillips? Yeah, man, I actually do. I think I know Phillips opened the, up the favorite actually, and he's definitely got some good kicks, a jujitsu background of his own. You know, with the Gracies, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, trains at the lab. But uh, man, this kid has been looking like Jesus lately, man. From uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that Jesus? But. Uh, you know, I think Kyler Phillips is a good kickboxer, but, man, I do feel like he's a more of a first-round type of guy. If I'm not mistaken, a lot of his wins are in the first round. And uh, when we saw him get extended on tough against Katona, I mean, he completely gassed out and got outclassed, I mean, badly. So uh, I know he went back to the local scene, been doing his thing. But Gabriel Silva, man, I'm really high on this kid. I know he, he lost to Borg in his debut. Uh, we bet on him. He was plus two-something. So, I mean, but, man, he was taking it to Borg in the grappling for a good second minutes it's just he kept making some rookie mistakes that I feel like if he goes back to the gym and works on those and then that's what Borg like Borg I mean we just saw what Borg did to the Bontarine Borg can fucking scramble man and uh I think that Kyler Phillips can scramble but uh only for you know a good five minutes you know I think that uh and Gabriel definitely gassed out in his last fight too man but I feel like there's a there's a chance that he comes out here and actually runs through Kyler Phillips, man. I think there's a chance he comes out here and puts on a jujitsu clinic for the fans of uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And one thing about those uh, those Silver Bros, man, they uh, they're also known for their first rounds, you know, <laughs> and they're also known for giving up at the <laughs> at the end. But I think that Borg was a little bit too much of a of a debut uh, for him. Like Borg is when Borg is fucking like focused and actually you know training like Borg's really fucking good man so I, I gotta go with Gabriel Silva here I haven't seen uh Phillips uh on the mat uh with someone on this on this level since the Katona fight and we saw how that went so I'm gonna go with Gabriel Silva here for a submission victory you know ironically enough they actually matched up Kyler Phillips and Ray Borg at one point so both these guys were supposed to fight Ray Borg only one of them did and Gabriel Silva went out there, won the first eight minutes of the fight against Ray Borg. He was looking very impressive on the mat. It just he kept trying to take the back Church, of a guy like Ray Borg. When you take Ray Borg's back, the guy's going to turn in uh, to your guard. <laughs> that's just how it is, man. So, And that's exactly what happened. I'm not convinced that Kyler Phillips can do the same thing. And look, Kyler Phillips, you got to watch out for the dynamic kicks that this kid brings to the table. You saw his last knockout on LFA and... You've seen the potential, you know, this whole time. Now it's about him actually going out there and putting it all together in that UFC debut. But I think he's going to have a very tough matchup here with Gabriel Silva. Look, both these guys are so young into their careers that they could both be making astronomical leaps every single time we see them. So we could see the best version of each guy this Saturday night. But at this point, I think that Gabriel Silva is the more developed guy and his jujitsu is a huge factor. So I'm going to take Gabriel Silva as well. And real quick, if anyone actually got dog money on Gabriel Silva, uh, I want to see some bet tickets because uh, I have a feeling that that might have been a book error. Because, I mean, do you think that Gabriel Silva was actually plus 140 at any point? 
because I don't. So, so someone let me know if there's any truth to that whatsoever. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena. He's seven and two, and Steve Garcia is eleven and three. Currently, they got Luis Pena minus two seventy five, and the comeback on Steve Garcia is plus two thirty five. Well, Shaq, I actually think this line would be a little bit closer if Steve Garcia didn't take this fight. On Monday of fight week, you know, he took this fight on very short notice and he's a very talented kid. He's been in there with a lot of UFC vets. It's just one of those situations where Steve Garcia is a habitual weight misser, Shaq. You know, he missed at 135 pounds on Contender Series, missed in a, missed at 145 pounds in his LFA main event. Now he's got a chance to come out here at 155 pounds against Luis Pena. Uh, what kind of chances you give him being that he took this fight on Monday? Yeah, man, this is a good fight because I agree. If this, if if Garcia had a full count, I mean, he's honestly, one could say he's more tested than Pena, even though Pena's got the UFC experience. But Garcia was fighting Joe Warren and, you know, at a very young age uh, in Bellator, Sean Bunch, uh, Alon Cruz. I mean, he's he's been in there with some, with some guys. Uh, Pena has as well. I'm not saying that he hasn't. Um, but, yeah, I do feel like if he had a... a long camp that you know this fight would probably be lying closer Pena you know on on the before his last fight I kind of got on him a little bit and I, I think the kid's good like I, I definitely think that you know he's only got what nine fights um he's got such a long ways to go man more so my uh, my thing with Pena is more mental to be honest man I feel like the kid can definitely be broken like we saw in the Trezano fight uh, and I feel like he can be discouraged in there, man. I've, I've, and, 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 you know, when I'm hearing some of his interviews, man, I feel like, you know, he's kind of thinking from a perspective of, uh, like, for example, you know, they ask him, like, how do you see this fight with Garcia, Garcia going down or what, what do you think? And he goes, if I was Steve, I would just be thinking like, oh, if I lose, like, I, I'll get another chance, like, whatever. But like, you know, that, he might be right about that. But why, why, why not say, why not go with the other way around saying Steve Garcia is looking to, you know, fucking make a name off me. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, I just feel like the kid thinks about things that he shouldn't be thinking about. Kind of like before his last fight, he was talking about fighting the Casey, and I was like, I was like, what? what? <laughs> kid, you couldn't even beat Trezano. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, you know, I forget who the other name he said, but it was like crazy. Uh, but man, I think Pena's good. Six three, he's long jab, got some good jujitsu. Suspect takedown defense. I'm sure it's gonna get better. He's at a new camp now. Um, so I, I'm going to pick him for the win, and I think he's going to be in better shape than Garcia. But I will not be shocked that if Garcia pressed Pena and really started swinging some haze, and I think there's a small chance that Garcia actually, I feel like he's been doing himself a big disservice for a lot of years trying to cut this weight to 35s. I mean, he kind of looks like a 55er man in there. Uh, he's been fighting some small guys, and yeah, someone would say he's a weight bully, but you got to think, man, he was depleting himself to a point just to even be in those fights. And I think there's a chance that he might feel really good at 155s, even though it's a tough spot to test it out at. I'll pick Pena for the win, but I think Garcia will be back. And I wouldn't be shocked that if the, if this fight played out a lot closer than the line indicates if, if uh, Garcia made you sweat that minus 275. So I'll pick Pena for a close decision win. So, quick correction. I said that uh, Steve Garcia was out here beating UFC vets. That's actually not true. He was out here beating Bellator, Contender Series, and LFA vets, though, and, and took some L's to them as well. So, the guy is pretty experienced on his regional scene, 
And man, he's a he's a heavy hitter, man. I know you saw that finish uh, against Desmond Torres on Contender Series. Now, granted, there was a massive size difference. This guy missed weight for bantamweight. It looked like a lightweight versus a bantamweight out there, but he still handled him accordingly. The Jose Marisco fight, but once again goes out there, misses weight for featherweight this time, but still knocks the kid out. He even was the guy that went out there and knocked out Andrew Whitney back when Andrew Whitney was trying to get a call to the UFC and. Uh, Steve Garcia put ends to those plans in the first round. So the kid's definitely d dangerous. You cannot sleep on him at all. And if Luis Pena thinks this is some kind of joke, if Luis Pena thinks it's kind of cute, then he might wake up looking up uh, at the light, Shaq. But that being said, Luis Pena does have the UFC experience here. He's had a full camp. So that definitely has to favor him here. And again, I agree with you. I expect him to edge it out. But this actually might be a dogger pass situation. And if this fight was you know, announced a month or two ago and Steve Garcia had more than just Monday to train for it. He might be a live dog here, but ultimately I will edge Pena. I think he's going to use those longer strikes and uh, make, make something happen here. So I'm going to go with Luis Pena to win this fight. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Grant Dawson. He's 14 and one and Derek Minner is 24 and 10. Currently, they got Grand Dawson minus 470. The comeback on Derek Minner is plus 375. Well, uh, Shaq, Grand Dawson had some very choice words for Derek Minner. Uh, you think the kid's talking too much, or you think uh, he's sending a message about what he's going to do this weekend? Yeah, man, Grand Dawson, he's been he's a very confident kid. I like him. I like his swagger. Uh, you know, he's only got two fights in the UFC, so he, he, should, he, needs, to, he needs to relax a little bit because he's out here making raps about Hakeem Dawadu and, <laughs> and, and, you know, some other guys. You know what happens when they start rapping. <laughs> I mean, look, the kid's, the kid's charismatic. I like him. He kind of re reminds me a lot of Krause. You know, he's got some uh, swagger to him. Uh, he kind of strikes like Krause as well. So, uh, man, yeah, I mean, you got to go with Dawson here. I mean, Dawson's relentless with the takedowns. His wrestling technique is just really fucking good. Um his striking is getting better. He, you know, like I said, he kind of strikes like Kraus. Kraus is definitely teaching him uh, a lot of things similar to what he likes to use. And, uh, you know, I feel like the kid can project down to a good striker down the line. I'd say his weaknesses, he can be wobbled. He can, I, I see him getting knocked out, you know, down the line at, at some point. He's been knocked out <laughs> He's before. Been knocked, that's what his one loss is by uh, a knockout. So I think that, you know, Derek Minner is going to come at him like a lunatic, kind of like what we saw in the Herbert. Burns fight on contender series I mean I'll be honest Derek Minner gives no fucks about anything so Derek Minner is a grudge match I feel like uh it's gonna be real emotional both these guys are probably gonna have to be uh separated at weigh-ins um gotta go with Dawson I think if he can clear those first couple minutes man he'll start to pick uh Derek Minner up and take him for a ride so you know, uh, Derek Minners does have a puncher's chance in the early going, uh, early going of the fight, but we know what happens when Derek Minner uh, gets tired. He'll pull a stunt. So, look, Grant Dawson said it best. Uh, Derek Minner is dangerous for two minutes, and uh, Grant Dawson is dangerous for fifteen straight minutes. And I mean, when you look at Derek Minner's last few fights, this is true, man. His last, uh, his last three wins, and he actually beat Clay Collard, a former UFC fighter. He beat him in 31 seconds via rear naked choke. He beat Ultimate Fighter veteran Terrence McKinney via triangle choke in, fi in 57 seconds. And he also beat some other guy in a minute 33. So 
basically Grant Dawson's right. He's beating these guys right away. And and the one time that Grant Dawson lost was right away. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Grant Dawson's got to be careful for those first two minutes. But once he gets past those first two minutes, I think he's going to give uh, Derek Minner some sky miles. Uh, you know what I'm saying? On that passport, man, even though he's not flying overseas. But you know what I'm saying? He's going to take him for a ride. He's going to pick him up. He's going to slam him. He's probably going to set a takedown record in this fight. Or he might get a first-round submission. But... Bottom line, as long as Grant Dawson isn't too cocky here and he doesn't think this is one big joke, because the way he's, he's acting he's very, right now. He's very cocky, by the way. He, <laughs> I mean, he said this, this kid not only doesn't belong in there with him, but doesn't belong in the UFC. And he even went as far as saying, look, Derek Minner falls short every single time he's given an opportunity, and he will fall short again Saturday night. So those are some big words to live up to. But I do think the skills of Grant Dawson trump uh, Derek Minner. So I'm going to take him for that reason. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Megan Anderson. She's 9-4, and four, and Norma Dumont is 4-0. Currently, they got Megan Anderson minus 230, and the comeback on Norma Dumont is plus 190. Well, Shaq, uh, Megan Anderson uh, finally got her first real UFC win. I know she beat Kazangano officially, but the, fan, the fans didn't, uh, didn't respect that win. Now, there's no way to deny her last win over Zara Farn. It's not my fault you couldn't continue. <laughs> So, I mean, look, she's taking on Norma Dumont, who's undefeated. And uh, Norma Dumont, uh, she's abandoned weight most of the time. She hasn't fought since 2018. But, I mean, she's undefeated. She's won fights via rear naked choke, Shaq, which you know Megan's had an issue on the map before. You think those issues will come to light here, or is Megan going to roll? Man, Norma Dumont, look, the Brazilian woman fighting scene is a, is definitely low level. I mean... So this is going to, even though Megan, we like to joke around about how, you know, she kind of can psych herself out at times. Uh, this is going to be a step up for Norma Dumont, 100%, man. Kind of similar to the last one going in, at least some people thought Zara Fern was somewhat live, you know, but it's a it's a completely different level in the UFC than it is uh, that regional scene. And I feel like Megan Anderson, look, guys, she only lost to fucking Holly Holm and fucking Felicia Spencer, who went three rounds with Cyborg, like, no problem, man. So, like, I honestly think that those girls are just better than her, man. So I think Megan Anderson, I know Norma Dumont's got a lot of talent, uh, some good grappling, and I think she's going to have a very bright future. But I just think that this UFC jump that she's about to make is a, a completely different ball game, And I feel like the comfort Comfortability in the octagon is definitely going to be on Megan's side. And I think that Megan, you know, I feel like this, you know, she's fighting, you know, some lesser competition. Uh, and what really where I see her winning this fight is uh, is on the feet. I know that uh, Norma Dumont's got some good jujitsu, but, you know, I feel like if Megan can clear that, man, I feel like she can get off on some knees against this girl, some elbows, and possibly even get a knockout uh, or a TKO, and she gets a lot of TKO. So I'm going to go with Megan Anderson by finish. I'm going to actually say first-round finish. Uh, I think Norma Dumont's got a bright future, but I don't think she's ready for not even, you know, this the UFC, but it's more so just, man, when these, like, you know, I just think it's a big step up on fight night. That, uh, And I just think that Megan's going to have a lot of experience, and I think it's going to carry her away. And I just think that her losses are – I know she pulled somewhat – she didn't look too good, but I just also think that Felicia Spencer has proved – like Felicia Spencer with three with Cyborg. I think that, uh, you know, I, I go with Megan Anderson here. So it's interesting because Norma Dumont's coming into the UFC with this undefeated record, but, man, she's only fought one somewhat – 
legit opponent and i say legit you know and we're talking about a journey woman with a 14 and 10 record right so that's the only person she's fought that's had more than five pro fights and with megan anderson she's definitely had some suspect moments uh especially on the mat i know you remember the cindy dandois fight the holly holm fight even the felicia spencer fight but those are those opponents are on a completely different level than norma dumont and i'm not going to write off norma dumont's you know maybe the potential that in the in these two years she's transformed into a different fighter and she can come out here and maybe exploit some of the weaknesses that Megan Anderson's shown in the past but that would be a complete guess and I have zero proof of that whatsoever what I do have proof of is that Megan Anderson finally got her first UFC win and that's gotta elevate her confidence much more and her confidence is something that she struggled with in the past so I think that a big first round finish in the kind of stage she did it was one of the most attended UFC events in history you remember Whitaker versus Adesanya in that in that sold out stadium so now she's got to be feeling a little bit better about herself and uh, she can come out here, maintain that range, use those long strikes and maybe knock her out with a knee, maybe capitalize on something on the mat. I think she should come out here and get the finish. It's just uh, I personally don't trust Megan Anderson at that big a chalk in any fight, but you know, we don't know enough about Norma Dumont. It maybe should be a situation where it's line wider, you know what I mean? Like, it, maybe Norma Dumont comes out here and takes a knee in the first round. We really do not know enough about her to really to really say, but I'm going to go with Megan Anderson here. Next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Magomed Ankaliev, he's 12-1, and and Iwan Kutelaba is 15-4. and Currently, they got Magomed Ankaliev minus 220. The comeback on Iwan Kutelaba is plus 180. Well, Shaq, uh, people are very, very high on Magomed Ankaliev. Uh, very impressive knockout against Dolce Lundjambula his last time out. But this kid, Iwan Kutelaba, he's been in the UFC four years now. Is he finally uh, putting it together, or do you simply think Magomed Ankaliev is on a different level? Yeah, it's a good matchup. Ankaliev definitely looked good his last fight. I mean, you know, I, at first I didn't want to give him too much credit for that, but, man, he wiped him out from completely, man. He embarrassed him. I'm not even sure if Dodge is going to be the same after that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It was that bad of a of a beatdown. So uh, Ankaliev, he had that stun against Paul Craig, but I think we all know that if they fight, you know, nine times. <laughs> it just happens that we had our money on him Paul, that time. Paul Craig, he's a, he's a fluke. He's a fluke guy, man. He, he pulls off a fluke from time to time. I want to a draw with Shogun. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I think uh, since then, man, he's redeemed himself with the win over Klitson. Dominated Klitson and Bray, who did get wobbled on early in that fight, which is going to be the key here is Kudalaba first round. You know, first round Kudalaba is fucking hells on wheels. You know what I'm saying? He's got power in his hands. He can knock you out. And just look at the facts. Uh, most of his wins are in the first round. Khalil Roundtree, first round knockout. Uh, the Brazilian guy that he, Frankenstein to Silva, first round knockout. Antigua, first round knockout. Uh, he's got a decision win. Yeah, uh, so that's, he's got, but three of his four wins are by, uh, Knockout, and what happens when he gets extended? I mean, Cannoneer got him when he went extended. Uh, Glover Teixeira, when he got out the first round, got him. I mean, look, Can uh, Kudalaba is your typical first-round power puncher looking to, to knock your head off, and if you can survive, if you don't get knocked out, then I think that Ankalaev will be able to definitely take the next two rounds, and, and Kudalaba will be fatigued. I mean, it's just a reoccurring theme in Kudalaba's fights. It just is. So I think that, obviously, it's a little wide, and Kudalaba's this young guy, very experienced, only 25'6", if I'm not mistaken. Definitely could be getting better, man, but he just has yet to prove to me that he can 
maintain his cardio or maintain his composure in a second round of a fight. And I think Ankalaya is smart enough to know that, look, let me just play this very safe in the first round, not get into, into too many exchanges with this guy. And he'll, and he'll fatigue, man. I think that Khalil Roundtree, to be honest with you, was broke. I mean, he broke him at the weigh-ins in that fight, man. I mean, he got in his face and did that scream. I'm interested to see if he uh, can do some tactics like that with um, Live. Then I you know, then I might uh, switch my pick if he can make this more of a mental warfare thing. But I think Live, man, at 6'4", I think he is 6'4", right? Man, his kicks at distance, really, I, I kind of see him running away with these late rounds against Kudalaba. I mean, look, when he hurt Glover Teixeira that, towards the end of that first round, man, he was already huffing and puffing, fatigued, man. I you know, I get it. He almost knocked him out. But it's just a, it's, I just don't like Kudalaba in those late rounds, so I favor Ankaliyev. And I think he's going to win a, a 29-27 decision here. So I'm going to go with Ankaliyev. Well, when you talk about this mental warfare, the last guy to try mental warfare on Anka Leave was actually Paul Craig. He had that face paint on, got right in the face of Magomed Anka Leave. You know, they they <laughs> they thought it was some kind of joke. They were laughing, and then it was a uh, Magomed Anka Leave that was tapping with one second left in that fight, costing us all a lot of money <laughs> in that spot. But uh, you know, what's interesting is that Iwan Kutelaba is going to get right in his face too. I, I know that has nothing to do with the fight. It comes down to what happens in this first round because Iwan Kutelaba is going to come out hard. You know, for such a young kid who's been in the UFC four years already, I hope that he can finally adjust, you know, make make some adjustments with, with uh, that pacing issue that he has because the kid is very dangerous. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Dolce rock uh, ankle leave in that first round? Didn't he, didn't he wobble him slightly? You know, so he'll get stumbled. I think that when that does happen in this first round, that there isn't going to be a chance to come back. I think Iwan Kutelaba is going to capitalize on a hurt ankle leave and finish him in that first round. Now it's just about if this fight gets extended. That's where shit gets interesting because, look, if you're laying chalk on Anka Leave, I completely understand. You're hoping he gets past the first round. Now, this might be a live betting opportunity because right now you got this minus money on Anka Leave. If Iwan Kutelaba comes out here, gets the dominant first round but starts to fade a little bit, you might get plus money at the live betting window on Anka Leave to take over the second and third round. We'll see what we'll see how it actually plays out, though. It might go down completely different than that. But, uh, yeah, look, Anka Leave is the better fighter, especially down the stretch. But, uh I have a feeling this isn't going to go down the stretch, so I'm going to go with Iwan Kutelaba via first-round knockout. Co-main event of the evening in the featherweight division. We got Felicia Spencer. She's 7-1, and one, and we got Zara Farn. She's 6-3. and three. Currently, they got Felicia Spencer minus 810. The comeback on Zara Farn is plus 555. Shaq, uh, is it going to be one back take and the fight will be over shortly after, or is this going to be that typical, you know, minus 1,000 spot where Felicia tries to test her stand-up this time and it's closer than we expect? Yeah, uh, well, she her uh, yeah her stand up definitely I wouldn't say is good. Uh, it's definitely a, a working progress, but man, her grappling and her tie up game definitely is. And yeah, man, Sarah Farron has no ground game at all, man. So I think that it could be one time on the mat, and this could be over. Uh, like I said, man, she went three. I think honestly, she could have probably went five rounds with Cyborg the way she was eating the shots. No problem, man. I watched the fight the other day. I was like, damn, this chick got a chin on her. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, I think that, yeah, Felicia Spencer should roll here. Obviously, it's lined super wide. But Zara Fern, man, she had a big layoff before the Anderson fight uh, and some of her fights on the local scene, you know, 
against uh my John Cavanaugh's sister or uh his cousin, what's her name? Sinead. <laughs> <Sinead>. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh I remember that fight. Yeah. John Cavanaugh's sister. Uh it's, it's not his sister, guys, I'm just joking. But um, <laughs> I think that man, she's just a low a lower level fighter, man. So I think uh uh Felicia the Phenom Spencer should roll here, man. Yeah, look, it's just about, does Felicia want to test her stand-up here? Does she want to be cute and put on a show for the fans? Or does she know where her strengths lie, goes out here, takes the back one time, takes her down one time, and finishes the fight? So it's really up to how Felicia wants to approach this, because I know a lot of people are considering this under one and a half. Well, it's minus money, so we just got to consider what Felicia Spencer is trying to do here. But I think ultimately she does get that first-round sub. It's just... Go out there and actually pursue it, Felicia. Don't try to test your stand-up here. Not that she won't win if she does. I'm just saying she has a lot better chance of finishing the fight early if uh, she goes to her strengths. Main event of the evening for the vacant flyweight title. We got Joseph Benavidez. He's 28-5. and five, And Davison Dice Dugueja Figueiredo is 17-1. and one. Currently, they got Joseph Benavidez minus 140. The comeback on Davison Figueredo is plus 120. Well, Shaq, since Henry Cejudo vacated that flyweight belt, I couldn't think of two more deserving contenders to fight for the belt than Davison, God of War, Figueredo, and Joseph Jiu-Jitsu Benavidez. Look, Benavidez has had a couple title opportunities in the past, but guess what, Shaq? It's been seven years since the last time this man challenged for a belt. And when Davison Figueredo has been very impressive, already got to experience that first UFCL and he's bounced back in big fashion since earned himself a title shot uh who walks out the UFC flyweight champion on Saturday night Shaq it's a, it's a great fight I feel like both these guys had a had L's to kind of make them pick things back up I mean Benavidez lost to Sergio man uh, <laughs> a lot of people are like whoa I mean he looked Benavidez looked like shit that night but I just think he was a little rusty probably big layoff ACL surgery I think it was multiple things he had going on there um and he kind of just seemed like he was uh you know Benavidez likes to not give you different reads he likes to switch constantly um but man I love this matchup just due to the fact that Benavidez man surprisingly when I watch this guy's fights this dude Benavidez ain't jabbing or no you know pitter patter man this dude Benavidez is in here throwing big hooks to the body big overhands big body kicks like he's a power he's a power striker man and then you got Figueredo who I think on the given night can knock anyone out at flyweight I think he's arguably the most powerful guy at flyweight and like you said with his first loss against Formiga he needed that man because you know from what I understood, Waleed Ishmael said that he cut like 39 pounds uh, to make 125. I think he was coming off the John Moraga fight. And, you know, you know what happens when these, these kids get that first signature win, man. It, it goes to their heads and they uh, <laughs> and then they start having to cut 39 pounds for their next fight. So, you know, uh, I think he needed that. And he bounced back with Pantoja, who a lot of people thought was going to do the same thing like Formiga did, get on top of him and get the takedowns. And, you know, he was able to shut that down. And then it just seems like his preparation for the last two fights was definitely a lot better in the Elliott fight, which was, you know, somewhat of a formality. So then you got Benavidez. I think the, he bounced back with Perez, you know, had that good fight with Ortiz. I got a lot of respect for Ortiz. Ortiz is going to test you, man. He's going to stay chopping. Stay chopping. He, he's going to test you. You know what I'm saying? And it was a good fight. The last two rounds were actually closer than what I remembered. But, you know, man, Benavidez, man, he's fucking good everywhere. I think this is a very good fight. Man, I feel like both guys 
leave openings to get knocked out potentially potentially that's why i'm so intrigued by this fight and i feel like davison figueredo since that formiga fight has addressed his takedown defense like in a way that's been like but I mean, like Pantoja, I mean, you see what Pantoja does. Pantoja loves to submit guys in the first round or, or knock them out. And, man, Davison was shrugging off those back, uh, off those takedowns in his uh, in his attempts to take his back, like, with ease, man. And then, you know, the Tim Elliott fight as well. So I think that uh, I would actually give a, a slight edge uh, in power to, to actually Benavidez, surprisingly, man, just because Benavidez is actually dropping, like, he dropped Perez, he knocked him out, he dropped Dustin Ortiz, he dropped Formiga, I mean, like I said, I was surprised, this guy's a power striker, man, he, he's out here dropping these guys and hurting them, so I actually give him the edge, uh, slight edge in power, it's just that I also think that Benavidez leaves more openings uh, to get caught than Figueredo, Figueredo uh, actually, surprisingly, has a karate background that a lot of, a lot of people don't know about he actually came up doing karate and that's why he has that uh that stance he likes to he likes to get into with uh, his hands down but I feel like he's a little bit more at least a little bit more dis I feel like Benavidez at times gets has some very close calls where man he could have almost got caught uh caught there against a better guy in comparison to Figueredo I don't see Benavidez having the top control to hold Figueredo down it's a 50-50 fight to me man I think uh Benavides has fallen short in these moments, you know, time in and time out again. I I don't want to say I hope he finally comes through after seven years because that would be devastating if he uh, if he didn't get this win, man. But man, I don't know. I'm gonna go with Davison God of War Figueredo. I feel like man, his vibe this week has been very good. Not saying that Joe B's has hasn't been good, but man, Davison Figueredo is oozing of uh, positivity and energy this week. I think that at some point uh, Benavidez makes a mistake inside the pocket. I think he's very open to straight rights. And I think that Davison Figueredo eventually catches uh, Benavidez for a, a TKO win. You know, I think from a betting perspective, there is some value on Figueredo because I think that uh, Joseph Benavidez, he's also been fighting these guys that he already beat before. You know, he already knocked out for me. <laughs> we already know he could knock out for me. And he already beat Dustin Ortiz as well. So uh, the Perez one was legit. But I I'm going to go with uh, the dog here. I'm going to go with Figueredo. It's a very good fight. But uh, I like what I've been seeing from him this week. I feel like this is a fight where you can make a case for both gentlemen, uh, both guys. Are definitely title contender worthy, and but I also think it's one of those fights where if Benavidez was the dog, you know, <laughs> that maybe you should take that side too. Like, you could be open to taking both guys, you know. Exactly, this is a spot where you can make an argument for both guys winning this fight. So at the betting window, it might be a dog or pass situation. But man, that being said, so. Benavidez has had all these opportunities. He's fallen short, but he was also going up against, you know, the quote-unquote greatest bantamweight of all time, Dominic Cruz, and the former greatest flyweight of all time, Demetrius Johnson, because you and I know uh, my boy Triple C is the greatest uh, flyweight of all time. I hope that pisses a lot of people off. I mean, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, but, uh, he's the best bantamweight of all time, too. <laughs> you know, you know uh, so real quick, on a separate note, because I know everyone's crying. Every, as, my, as my friends in the U.K. say, uh, you know, all these people got their knickers in a twist. Yeah, knickers? <laughs> Isn't that how they say it? Yeah. Uh, over this uh, Cejudo versus Aldo situation. But let, let, let me just say this about that fight. 
Cejudo uh, beat the greatest flyweight of all time, Demetrius Johnson. Knocked out the one of the greatest bantamweights of all time, TJ Dillashaw. And now you guys are going to prevent him from having the opportunity of beating one of the greatest featherweights of we all just, time, Jose Aldo? We just want to go on the Legends tour. That's it, man. Like, man. We don't want to fight Peter. <laughs> like, why, why, why would you want to fight Peter? No one knows who Peter is, and Peter might beat him. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're good. So uh, why would we want to fight Sanhagen? That kid's so fucking good, and no one's ever heard of him. <laughs> you know? So, like... Anyone that knows anything about this game knows why he took look, this Aldo, Aldo fight. Aldo is going to sell way more pay-per-views. And look, from uh, from the business side of things, what happens if Aldo's the so? Let's say Aldo goes out there and wins, you know. Let's say he catches Henry. Now Aldo's uh, got a, a belt in a, a new division, 35s. I mean, bro, it's the perfect fight to make, man. Between you and me, Aldo... Uh... I mean, that's probably not going to happen, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it, like that's the, you know... What if Aldo wins? He, he just he's a champ in two weight classes now. You know what I'm saying? That pace of Hudo pushes is gonna be something for uh, no, my boy, yeah, my boy I mean, Jose. I know, I know he's gonna be you know doing the Nova three minutes in, yeah. But you know. <laughs> but back to this main event. Look, like I said, I think you can make a case for either guy, hundred uh, percent. Joseph Benavides. You know, he fell short in the past, but it's been seven years since that last time, and he's also not fighting the greatest bantamweight or flyweight of all time but man davison dice dugea figueredo brings a lot to the table he cannot be slept on he's a live underdog here like Shaq mentioned that karate background this guy comes out there with a very interesting stance you saw that fight against pantoja and that effortless head movement it's like he had zero regard for what pantoja was doing you know that fight was really interesting because when Pantoja goes zombie mode on you and, and he starts to bite down on that mouthpiece, he starts to get aggressive, he starts to put it all on the line, it gets scary for a lot of guys. And for Davison Figueredo, he gave zero fucks about what Pantoja was throwing his way. It was almost like, oh, like this guy hit soft. It, it was crazy. I was like, dude, but that's Pantoja. Like no one walks through Pantoja's shots like that. And then when it was time for Davison to land offense of his own, he floored the guy. He got up on such a lead that he could run away for that third round. And, you know, whenever he wanted to land a, an occasional uppercut, an occasional hook, he, he was able to do that as well. You know, you shoot it on this guy with your head on the outside, he will snatch that guillotine. Just ask uh, Tim Elliott. But you know who also guillotined Tim Elliott in the first round as well, right? Joseph Benavidez. So both these guys are very interesting uh, cats uh, in the in the flyweight division. I got a lot of respect for both of them. Now it's about making this pick. So, you know, I, I want to say a couple things because everyone's under the impression that if this fight hits the championship rounds, that no matter what, Joseph Benavidez is going to take over. And I see the, the case for that because Davison was kind of fading late in that Pantoja fight. But I'm not writing off the possibility that this guy gets a second win in the championship rounds. Because when you got that frame, sometimes you got to take a round or two off, Shaq. You know what I mean? And then come back in the later round. So I'm not counting out Davison's ability to do that. But I have seen that Benavidez can go the full five-round distance and maintain that pace the entire time. So this is a very tough call for me to pick, or this is a very tough fight for me to pick. It could go either way, but I think that, and it's a dog or pass situation at the betting window, by the way, but I think that if Joseph Benavidez doesn't get floored within these first two rounds, then I think he will have success with the calf kicks, with the body kicks, eventually mixing it up upstairs, and then getting some takedowns of his own. He's got some very nicely timed double legs, and I think at first they're going to be stuffed, but as the fight progresses, he might be able to get some, and I'm going to take Joseph to slightly edge out a decision. Finally, 
you know, uh, accomplish that lifelong goal of being a UFC world champion. So I'm going to go with Benavides here. But, uh, you know, I, we, we ain't talking max best season or nothing like that. I think it's a very close fight that could go either way. Well, Shaq, uh, we got we got a couple minutes left. Let's let's get to some of these fan questions and let's get out of here. So, real quick, uh, Tony Weddle says, "Do either of you guys see Magomed and Khalif becoming a champion anytime soon?" L- let me answer this. No guy that lost to Paul Craig is beating John Jones in a fight. Alonzo says, "Is Benavidez chinny? He's only been knocked out once. He's been dropped by Sergio though." Look, I'll just say this. If Davison lands the right punch on anyone, they're going to go down. Um, and he also says, should Mikal go to middleweight? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he better get in a jiu-jitsu uh, gym as well. Um, Slick Savage says, where do you guys see yourselves and Greg Hardy in two years? Listen, just improving every single day. I see ourselves at the top in two years, and Greg Hardy, man, wish him the best. Hope that he keeps improving every single time out. Hisham Hamid says our initial thoughts on Weidman versus the Joker. Jack the Joker by hashtag the Joker dominates. You guys know our, you guys know our <laughs> thoughts on that. <laughs> Rob Waddell says, "What do you think the reason is? Showtime Pettis striking has not developed well over many years. Oh, because he's never been that good of a boxer, and he can when you pressure him and start beating him up, he'll." I mean, look, he's just fighting the top guys, man. He's fighting Dustin and Tony and. The last fight was a setup fight too with Diego Ferreira. That guy, in my opinion, is top ten. Um, and he's just not. He needs to fight Ally Akinta or like fucking Ally Akinta, and then his striking will look good again. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think it's one of those situations where the guy's already accomplished everything there is to accomplish. It's for him just go out there get that six figure paycheck. We don't gotta bust our ass like we used to. Not that he's not working hard. I'm sure he is, but I'm just saying that same hunger hasn't been there for a long time because what else is there to accomplish? He ain't touching gold ever again. He ain't getting on the Wheaties box again. He already accomplished those things, and he's got businesses outside of fighting. Much respect to the guy. Now, some of our Twitter questions. So Matthew Drucker wants to know, if Figueredo were to move up to Bantamweight, how do you think he would do against the top 15? Who's number 15? Ioni? Uh, yeah. Uh, not good, probably. I mean, I think he could beat some guys for sure. Uh, like mid of the, like mid. I mean, Casey Kinney went from flyweights to top 15, but uh, yeah, top 15, uh, I think he's – but maybe he feels a lot better. At what, what about uh, John Dodson versus Davison Figueredo? Tough fight, you know. Song Yadon, Pedro Munoz. Um, I think he get, I think Munoz out of the three is probably the best one, just because he gets hit the most. But I would say he's a middle of the pack thirty fighter. All right, GMO says, where is Jiu Jitsu training nowadays? Uh, Performance Institute, Vegas, Extreme Couture. And he says, and when is Jared Nitrain good and making a step up to the show. I'm going to get this w- this win on Saturday, and then uh, there's going to be an uh, opportunity right after that. So stay tuned. I actually got to tell you something about that, Shaq, off air. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. I'll just edit it out the show. He's fighting. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kings MMA says, who is going to pull a bigger stunt this weekend, Tybora or Griffin? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a fucking great question, bro, because Griffin, man, some of the shit that guy does on the gra- in the grappling side of things is just like, and then Tybora, I don't want to say he's a stunt. I just think Tybora is a broken man. So I'll say Griffin, actually. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tybora, man. Uh, you know the guy with the 81 percent takedown defense is gonna get taken down by the polar bear this weekend and pull another stunt. Moy's noise says, "Does Shaq wear a cape?" He's basically calling you a hero. Um, I mean, I've been known to at times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our Aussie fans want us to release the show earlier. We're, we're working on it. I appreciate y'all. Matthew Drucker says, I don't know if I'm too late, but when do you expect Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead to make his pro debut? I'll say a year. Listen, this this kid's one of the best talents I've ever seen. Uh, undefeated amateur, only 20 years old. He's something special. We're taking the right fights and taking the right steps with him. So I'm saying end of this year, early to mid next year. Look out for Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Tommy says, what is the worst stunt in UFC history? According to him, it's Caleb Starnes running around the octagon against Nate Corey. Um, my biggest stunt in UFC history, Ankle Live and Craig's up there. Um, Ankle Live, I was shocked when that happened. Ankle Live versus Paul Craig. <laughs> I was like. Because when the 10-second clapper went off, we're like, like, oh, it's over. Yeah, I was like, where are you? And then, and then it was like, wait, no, it's not over. Oh, <laughs> shit, lost. it is over. <laughs> he lost. Um. Ramp, my boy Rampage420 says, what are your thoughts of Ankalaev's upside in the 205-pound division? He sees him being the one to dethrone John Jones. Like I said, my man, kid's very talented, but no guy that lost to Paul Craig is beating John Jones in a fight. Um, How do I say? Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely see him probably being in those rankings here soon. Uh, if, if he can get this win, most likely he will be. Um, eh, Boy, I don't know if he's ready to swim with them. With them, with them, no times and them, and them Anthony Lionheart Smiths of the world. But you know, maybe after this one, he can get a. What, what about Ankle Live and Corey? You know, I know Corey's looking to get back in there. I know Corey's looking to get back on track. I like that. I like that. What about Corey versus Ratchet? <laughs> Ty says, "What trade can the UFC do to bring Mighty Mouse back?" Sorry, bro, but uh, good, bro. My, Mighty Mouse ain't coming yeah. back. Yeah, Mighty Mouse is making bread over there, bro. There's no point to come back for him financially. I mean, he's making more money. That Asian market is his 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 coach is fucking running the promotion. Exactly, <laughs> I was about to say his coach. <laughs> like, he fucking has a stake over there. And won. <laughs> like, like, why would this dude ever want to come back? He's happy over yeah, there. Them days are over. My boy Kobe Cap says he thinks Jordan Griffin is gonna smoke Brown, and because um, he thought he he fought very very spirited against Ige. And um, kids fights a ton of spirit. So he he says, "How about a shout out for Kobe, Gianna, and Vanessa?" Always, oh, bro, yeah, man. Kobe's a a goat of this game, bro. And Gianna, you know, rest in peace, a, a beautiful young lady. And then Vanessa Bryant. I mean, she's a warrior, man. She's hanging in there every day. So props to them. Kobe's will always be the goat. And uh, you know, props yeah. to my boy. Yeah, man. You know, and. It's just uh, if you ever need motivation, go watch one of those Kobe videos. So much wisdom from that guy. Uh, true legend. R.I.P. to the GOAT. And much love and respect. The UFC as well. and, and, and to everyone that was involved in that tragedy too. R.I.P. Dylan says, do you think Kudalaba will continue to implement his wrestling into his fights after how well he performed against Khalil Roundtree? I think the Roundtree fight, man, I mean he should, but I also think his wrestling isn't good enough to take certain guys down. Um, like, I don't want to say his wrestling's overrated, but I also think Roundtree has never had, like, the best takedown defense. And I truly think Roundtree was psyched out in a way.
way before that. I think Kudalaba, like, that's why I want to see what happens at Wayne's today. Like, I want to see what games Kudalaba's playing with him. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because Kudalaba's going to do some shit. I know he's got some shit planned up his sleeve for you See him. that fucking slick-ass <laughs> suit he was wearing at yeah. the media day? Yeah, like, I know he's got something <laughs> planned up his sleeve for Wayne's today. So, uh, I want to see it. Color of Money says, if Joby loses another title fight, does he become the 90s Buffalo Bills of MMA? Um, man, I guess, yeah. Just he'd be the Kenny Florian or the uh, Frankie at this point. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, at least Frankie won a title, but uh, a favor, I guess, you know. Yeah, well, you know, the guy has got Megan, Megan O'Leary, so he, he's, he's a winner no matter what. He's a champ in my eyes, but uh. We want to thank all you guys so much for all your questions. Uh, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 27? Fight to watch is going to be the main event, I guess, man. I think that flyweight, man, they've been secretly becoming, like, my favorite division, man, with all these, uh, even though the division doesn't have that many guys in it, man, they just fight with the with the pace and the speed, man. So, and then I just feel like both guys leave openings that both can capitalize on. And I truly think there's a chance that someone gets knocked stiff. So that's going to be my fight to watch. Yeah. And speaking of a fight where I think someone gets knocked stiff, I got to go with Iwan Kutelaba versus Magomed and Khalif. Uh, I truly believe that no matter how this fight goes, it's going to be very exciting with Iwan Kutelaba coming out hard in that first round. If he can't get out Anka Leave early, Anka Leave's going to take over, start landing some very sniper-like attacks. So no matter what happens, Kutelaba versus Anka Leave is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Norfolk? Alon Cruz. I feel like Alon Cruz, you know, he's got he's to gotta fight against this kid, uh, Spike Carlisle, this weekend, who he also himself is a, you know, he's, he's doing a good job of... Uh, talking he's saying he's saying a lot of big words out there he's kind of reminded me of fernandez you know what he's saying manifest a lot <laughs> but uh i think uh elon cruz i mean he's coming off that fucking vicious flying knee ko on contender series i'm sure the fans want to see how he comes back Does, is it uh too much to live up to or is it you know or are we gonna see more of that man so elon cruz is my fighter to watch yeah, Alon Cruz is definitely one of the fighters to watch. For me, my fighter to watch is Brendan Allen. Like I mentioned in my breakdown already, this kid's had the same style his entire career, but he wasn't good enough to fully execute it at the UFC level until now. Now that the kid's a black belt, he's feeling more confident in these big positions that he gets. And against a fellow black belt and Tom Breeze, that's going to make this fight even more intriguing. And then you factor in the other side of things, which is who's more confident right now, who's feeling their best. Uh, that's what makes this fight so intriguing. And that's where I think that I really need to tune in to see how a kid like Brendan Allen performs. You know, is he at a disadvantage here in the boxing, but is he able to overcome that with willpower and a relentless pressure going forward, plus his awesome body lock and his black belt in jujitsu. So for that reason, Brendan Allen is my fighter to watch Shaq. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in Virginia, UFC Norfolk, Joseph Benavides versus Davison Figueredo. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05 on Twitter. They can follow you at Shaq BFP on Instagram. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. And our bets are available at bestfightpicks.com. Use that promo code 2020 for 20% off our VIPs. If you want to hit us up individually, use the promo code Shaq. 
for 10% off Shaq's bets. Use the promo code Dan for 10% off my bets. That's at bestfightpicks.com at maxbetseason.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate all your support. We love all you guys. Thank you guys very much. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.